So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. Hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our uh, recommendations for do's and don'ts in the workplace. And, um, yeah. So, now for episode 118 of Ease Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. So, what's up to the people? What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great day right now and enjoying summer. We got a pretty cool episode for you tonight. Eric, why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, we're going to be going back to some, as I like to say, grassroots on this one in just firing off a bunch of movie recommendations to the people, as we used to do in our uh, the darker days, actually, of these conversations in the quarantine movies segment and um, series that we had. So a bunch of movies that we've both been watching that we have only gotten the opportunity to share a few of them in our random recommendations segment in each episode. So we figured we'd devote a full episode to that and sprinkle in a few other recommendations. I have a, a few shows to share as well. So, but we'll be starting off with movies and to give you some good recommendations for the fall that is now upon us soon. Still got some more summer. I like to count September as a summer month, but if for those of us who like <laughs> to just cozy up at night and watch a nice movie, well, we got you covered after this one. So, like I said, I've been watching a lot of movies lately. If anyone follows me on Letterboxd, which is a movie reviewing app, you can see that I've been very active and haven't gotten the chance mm-hmm. to talk about a lot of these movies. So I'm kind of just going to run it back chronologically for the month of August, what I've been watching in reverse order, actually. So I'll go with, I watched two movies last night and I'll start off with one of them. One of them is on Prime Video for streaming, which is the ridiculous title, Cocaine Bear. (laughs) First of all, Matt, have you seen this movie? Sadly, no. I really want to watch it, though, so I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Okay, so (laughs) first impressions on this movie were, when I saw that there's a trailer for this movie about a bear on cocaine, I thought this looks like the dumbest thing possible, honestly, and that the well of ideas for movies has run dry. Ultimately, this ended up being quite an enjoyable movie, like a turn your brain off, just enjoy the ridiculousness ride, and I wrote in my review that I think this is the perfect movie to watch with a group of people where you can really just make fun of the movie at the same time. And I think more people would find certain things funny that would in turn make you laugh. Like, I watched this alone last night, and I was chuckling pretty consistently the whole movie. And there were a few times where I was, like, really laughing out loud at... It's really, like, the violence that you're getting from the bear and the kills. It's, like, graphic violence that ends up being funny. There's a lot of swearing in the movie. It knows what it is, basically. Like It plays to its strengths. It's stupid. But there are a lot of good actors in it, too. Like Carrie mm-hmm. Russell is in the lead role. I liked her a lot. There's um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., son of Ice Cube. Elden Edenreich? I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Eldenreich, who plays Han in the Solo movie. You got um, Ray Liotta. There's um, Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. There's um, the guy who plays Clay Davis from The Wire. So a lot of faces you'd recognize. And yeah, it's an enjoyable movie, honestly. An hour and a half long. Pretty dumb, I will say. And like I said, it's the perfect kind of like late night movie at the end of a night of like partying or whatever. And just throw it on. Don't think about it. Just enjoy the ride. Those would be my thoughts. 
And that sounds right up my alley. I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. I know it's on Amazon Prime. I've been watching a lot of movies on Prime, actually, and I'm just... I'm always hovering over the, the icon for Cocaine Bear, but I'm never committing. But I think that'll be my next watch, Eric. Um, everything I heard from it sounds like blending of genres, like comedy, horror, action, and that's my thing. And it's got like an A-list, well, A-list. It's got some really solid actors, like you said, so push it above the B-movie category. Like, was it more action, horror, or comedy, in your opinion? Definitely, I'd say comedy first. Oh, okay. oh, action! Like it, it, did, it didn't really have the. Maybe there are a few instances where there's like a lot of suspense, and you're like, okay, like you know the bear's gonna pop up, and there's just this slow oh, okay. build up to it. But I was not scared once, like at all. Okay. So I would say okay. comedy, action, horror, but definitely you get those three in there. That's a good way to describe it. And I'm, and I don't think it's a movie I'm gonna run back to anytime soon. Anyways, <laughs> I don't think it's a necessarily a good movie you know what i mean but i enjoyed myself watching it and especially because i watched it right after another movie that i'm going to talk about later which maybe made me enjoy it even more so i would recommend it though i think it's a good movie to watch at least watch one time for sure okay and for the cast it's like a bunch of actors i'd like to see in more roles too like o'shea mm-hmm. jackson jr is really funny and alden El- elden reich as well they're a good mm-hmm. uh, tandem in the movie sweet i'm definitely gonna check that out and report back on the podcast yep um, my next, my, the first movie I'm going to talk to is very similar, actually. It's not necessarily a great movie or even a good movie, but it was really fun. And it's on, uh, Amazon Prime as well, I believe. It's Renfield, uh, starring Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt. Renfield is the name of Dracula's servant, basically. Nicolas Cage plays Dracula in this movie, and his servant is Renfield, played by Nicholas Holt. And it's basically... You get first-person narration, a lot of Nicholas Holt being dissatisfied serving Dracula. Goes in a bit of a backstory at the, of, at the beginning. Um, and now it cuts back to modern time where he's kind of like trying to cut away from the Count. And it's just him going off by himself. But then Nicholas Cage is Dracula eventually like finding him. And shit goes down basically in modern day. This is ridiculous gore and laughs and dark humor. Not even dark humor, actually. Just comedic gags. I thought I, I I had a blast watching this movie. Um, it's not for everybody, but it has enough comedy and laughs to keep you like interested. It's a horror movie in quotation marks in the sense that it's about Dracula, but it's more for like laughs and you know the 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 banter and the excessive gore, which is very comical. Like when I mean excessive, it's like Kill Bill times a hundred, or just like Kill Bill, you know, fountains of blood. I I, I bet you Cocaine Bear is very similar type of movie where it's. Good, fun, one-time watch. But Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage carry the movie. Nicholas Holt's a great actor, you know, Mad Max Fury Road and Warm Bodies. He's been in a bunch of movies too, uh, other movies too. And Nicholas Cage is great as Dracula. You wouldn't, you might not think that'd be like a sentence you'd say, but like he is a good actor, Nicholas Cage, and he does, kills it as Count Dracula. I, I recommend it. Honestly, it's an easy watch, Eric, and it's it's funny and it's... You know, there's good, like, fighting, excessive gore scenes. So, yeah, that's Renfield on Amazon Prime. Okay, right on. So, like you said, the kind of the same triple threat of action, comedy, horror rolled up into mm-hmm. one, which is fun. Like, I like those kind of movies, and I feel like there aren't that many of them that are great these days. But it's nice to start off, like, I, I say great these days as in maybe the movies that try to go for that 
lean too hard in one lane and then it tips the scales poorly and makes for a, an unenjoyable watch where you got some really mm-hmm. cheesy dialogue and sloppy action sequences where we might have gotten like a nice balance of the three in both of our movies. So that's fun. And yeah. I can definitely see Nicolas Cage playing a Dracula, like a, a different variant of the Dracula character who's known to be more menacing and uh, scary and cruel. Whereas you probably get some nice classic Nicolas Cage isms in this one, mm-hmm. which have some yeah. comedic value to them. So I'll definitely have that to the list for sure. <laughs> Just trying to build off my 2023 movies <laughs> library, which I've seen quite ah. a few this year. I'm up to like 20 movies of this year, which is uh, wow. like the most I've ever watched of a year's filmography in that specific year. So it's fun. Nice. Sweet. Carrying off on that, which is not the same genre at all, but I'll add another 2023 movie here, which would be Blackberry. So the story Mm. of how the iconic Blackberry phone went on the market and took the world by storm in uh, when it did. I forget exactly the year, but I just watched the movie. But it was an enjoyable movie, (laughs) honestly. So basically, you got... um, the actor's name, Jay Baruchel, playing the um, founder of uh, BlackBerry, so Mike Lazaridis, and Glenn Howerton plays Jim Balsili, who ends up becoming the CEO of their company. And they both kind of play against type in this, where they're more in serious roles, and they're known for comedies, right, these two guys. There's definitely a lot of comedy and humor in the movie, which I enjoyed, but it's really a more serious, uh, serious tone for the movie. It's a biopic, right? And I had heard going into it that it was a very good movie. I definitely enjoyed it quite a bit. But my only concern or critique of it would be, I feel like it was tough to really know if conversations happened the way they did, where there's a lot of swearing, there's like outrageous statements being made. And I was kind of questioning whether or not things actually went down the way they did. So that would be my only concern and critique of it. But overall, I enjoyed mm-hmm. the movie. I thought it was good. I'd definitely recommend it if you like to. Um, It's like a ride down memory lane. Like I never had a Blackberry myself. My dad did though back in the day. And uh, I used to play like Brick Breaker on that thing. A classic game. A lot of fun. It's just cool to see like the impact that Blackberry had on the market back in the day. So I would def- definitely recommend that. Didn't find it on a traditional streaming site. I um, followed a an avenue that you tend to do sometimes mm-hmm. as well, Matt. Just, you know, you, <laughs> there's options out there. I'll just say that. So um, if it ends up going on streaming, I would recommend it though. Blackberry. I read your review of this on Letterboxd last night, Eric, and I was kind of forgot this movie came out. And reading your review reminded me a lot of the movie Air with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Like, wondering, like, this is actually how it went down. Is this like, is this everything's exaggerated? But uh, no, I, I do want to check it out because I don't know any, I don't know much about that period of time. I know Blackberry, man, they had the, ch- they had a chance to like be the apple of now, but I think they got stuck with like, like the touchscreen basically obliterated them, right? Like you can't have 49 buttons on a, on a handheld device. But uh, I, I want to see that aspect of the movie. Hopefully they show, like, they go into technical aspects of that. But, uh, no, it looks uh, looks interesting. Again, though, 
how much is exaggerated, how, what you said basically, Eric, very, uh, I can definitely see that. It happens in every movie about true events, right? We always exaggerate the stories we tell. Uh, but no, I'll have to check that out. Uh, thanks for reminding me the movie actually existed. Because I remember hearing about it when it came out. But uh, good to know. People, are, you watched it. You, d- you did the homework for us, Eric. Thank you. I'll be checking that out. Um, I'll go into my last one that could be considered a horror movie. And then the rest are non-horror movies. Anyways, uh, this is Amazon Prime as well. This This movie basically could be a whole Black Mirror episode. In fact, it, it's very similar to several Black Mirror episodes. But uh, this movie is called Megan from 2023. It's a killer doll movie. Or AI, super advanced AI friend dolls that hit the market in the story of this movie. Basically, the aunt of the little girl who's the main character of the movie works for a high-tech company and she's developing the Megan doll, which is basically a doll that can do everything, you know, play with you, console you, give you advice. Basically, is like a human Alexa, like can answer any questions you have. It's super high tech. Again, everything felt like a Black Mirror episode, but then things go wrong because Megan the doll becomes too smart. You know, AI starts understanding what she is and like gets stronger and stronger physically, not physically, like intellectually and starts, and she's a robot, right? So she's definitely stronger than any human. So it kind of turns into a killer doll movie, which is awesome. I love that aspect of the movie. Megan gets smarter and smarter and starts realizing like she doesn't have to listen to the humans. She doesn't have to switch off when the ant says turn off. Uh, The ant, by the way, is played by Allison Williams from Get Out and she's great in the movie. It's got some really good kills. It's got some really good um suspense um it's basically a long black mirror episode that's the best way to describe it and i'm sticking to that and it was i i very enjoyable watch actually again quick watch easy to easy to get into and yeah that's megan on amazon prime killer doll movie 2023 definitely could be considered a horror film um but yeah i really dug it same thing with Cocaine Bear. I remember when the trailer dropped for this, I'm like, this looks horrible. But again, I feel like every time I say this about movies, they end up being enjoyable. It's <laughs> it's kind of, those kind of movies, honestly, end up having better success rate. Maybe this is a hot take, but better success rate than the ones that are hyped up as these like, oh, like um, Oscar Academy nominee candidates and um, incredible acting from Benedict Cumberbatch and the power of the dog. <laughs> Last time I bring that yeah, one yeah. up, but like you go in with like, you know, an easy, simple, maybe stupid concept and you can have a good time with it. And that's the fun thing about movies that they don't always need to be the same thing. You can go into them with a mm-hmm. different mindset and they all serve their purpose. And oftentimes like they're very, very enjoyable, entertaining, fun, funny movies. And like, we need that in life in general. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be serious in these dramatized uh, stories that they tell so I have uh, an appreciation for these kind of movies so I'll have to add Megan to the list as well add it to the 2023 filmography slate (laughs) so and I think they're making a sequel out of this too I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being this massive franchise where there's now an army of Megans and uh, who knows maybe the cocaine bear crossover is the only thing that can stop Megan down the road so you never know um, right on again i'll just keep going in order here so i watched this movie called enough said starring mm. julia louis dreyfus and the late james gandolfini this is a rom-com actually so 
full switch up from the last two movies that I watched. Really enjoyed this movie. Basically, Julie Louis-Dreyfus plays a um, divorcee. She's a masseuse. She ends up going to this party where she meets a um, a woman played by Catherine Keener who kind of has a life that she would like and also who's also divorced and meets James Gandolfini's character, Albert, at the same party and they end up starting to go out and uh, he's also divorced. So it's basically you're interacting with a bunch of characters who are divorced and they all talk about their own experiences and how life is like for them and in the dating world specifically and as parents and I really enjoyed this movie. It was a fun time, funny movie as well. Amazing chemistry from Julia Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini. They're dynamite together. Like, they had me cracking up quite a bit, especially James Gandolfini. He was really funny. And it was just funny seeing, like, obviously I know James Gandolfini from Tony Soprano in The Sopranos. So he plays a completely different character in this, and I really enjoyed it. And Julie Louis-Dreyfus, like, I just love her and everything she does. Just she plays, always plays a likable character. I, I don't know if she's likable in Veep, actually. I've never seen that, but I know she's uh, won a lot of awards for that. But definitely recommend, again, short movie, hour and a half long. I like rom-coms like this, honestly. There's um, obviously formulaic, but also a nice twist in this one that I'm not going to say what it was. Oh. And I uh, enjoyed it. So if you can check this one out somewhere. It's an older movie, like 2013. Definitely enjoyed it. Have you seen this, Matt? No, I have not. Seen, so yeah, I haven't seen this movie. Again, I, I'm avid follower of yours on Letterboxd. And when I saw you watch this, it reminded me... Like, I remember when this movie came out. And I, I've for, completely forgotten about it. So thank you for refreshing my... Like, bringing it back for me. Um, James Gandolfini. I've seen him in a couple... Several other movies. Other than, like, his Sopranos. And, like, he's in... Anyways... A calm James Gandolfini. He's a really good actor when he's not like playing a gangster or he he can do it all. Is what I'm trying to say. Saying, he's a good actor any in anything he does. But uh, enough said. I've seen him in another movie, probably similar to that, where it's a low key drama slash comedy, and he's excellent in it. So I can only imagine in this movie. Enough said that he's also good. Um, I who doesn't I like. Switching it up to Eric, I'm not always watching like movies like Renfield and Megan. That nice quiet movie is good once in a while. Um, there's a movie James Gandolfini did, The Drop, with uh, Tom Hardy. He's excellent in that movie too. It came out around the same time as Enough Said, and it's not like an over the top performance too from him, but he's perfect and it kind of, kind of plays like a loser. And it's weird not hearing him. It's weird not hearing his Tony Soprano voice too. Anytime he talks and it's not like that voice, I'm like thrown off. But all that to say is on the strength of these two actors, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Gandolfini, um, I'll have to check this movie out now because they're just great actors. Um, but yeah, enough said. Uh, three for three, Eric, so far. Um yeah, and I I don't know what other movies you're going to be talking about, but I've seen your letter. Like, I have a feeling there'll be more than just three. Um, this, my next movie is actually an, other, an older movie as well. And someone at work randomly, super random, just like, Matt, you should check this movie out. And it's a movie from like 2014. And I was like, okay, that's random. And then I looked into it and I'm like, oh shit, this is right up my alley. So the next movie I'm going to talk about 
is called The Rover. It stars Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson. It's a post-apocalyptic movie, but like a post-apocalyptic movie on a lower budget in terms of it's not like, it's very low key. It's like the road post-apocalyptic, you know, just landscapes and everybody's super depressed. There's not any huge action, like extravagant sequences or CGI. Like there's like no CGI in this movie. This movie is probably shot for no money, but doesn't mean it's not excellent. Cause let me tell you right now, this movie is great. Very minimalistic, not a lot of characters, not a lot of, takes place within two, three days. Um, Guy Pierce plays a man based, it's a, it's a revenge movie is all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna explain the story because the story is very light to be honest. It's all about the atmosphere, the setting, the dialogue, the, the insane little, there is action in the movie. There's not a lot of action, but when it happens, it's superbly well done. This movie showcases the acting brilliance of Guy Pierce. And Robert Pattinson. And Robert Pattinson in 2014 was like, now we know all know he's a good actor after seeing Batman and Good Time and all those movies, but he's been doing it for so long. He's a great actor. It, it's very rewarding too. Great ending. It explains a lot because at the beginning you're puzzled a little bit, but the ending explains it. Uh, not for everybody. Like I said, minimalistic, maybe slow. I didn't find it slow at all. It's just because there's not a lot of characters and stuff going on. It's like a road movie, post-apocalyptic, trying to figure out, try to figure, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, at the same time as some of our characters in the movie, really. So it's kind of cool. Uh, but that's the rover. Um, yeah, uh, you'll have to, good luck finding it uh, legally. But uh, yeah, I had to resort to other means to watch this one. But the Rovers are really, it's like an indie gem. In, it's an independent movie that's really underrated in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the Rover. I don't think I'll have a hard time finding it, Matt, but good to know. Um, so the Rover, right on. I like that. And um, like you said, Robert Pattinson, not an undercover actor anymore. Like he's a known to be a great actor. Like he used to be the Twilight yeah. guy. He's moved past that and then some. So, and I like that concept, honestly. I like, I like those kind of movies too, minimalistic, a little bit of mystery, and then where everything gets resolved and explained properly at the end. You don't want to go full David Lynch and just <laughs> not exp not provide any exposition, as they say, at, at any point in your movie. So that's good stuff. Um, I'll add that one to the list as well. So I'll go on my next one, which is along the same lines as Enough Said, honestly. It's called You Hurt My Feelings, directed by the same woman who directed Enough Said. So, Nicole Holofcener, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus as well in the lead role, rom-com, back-to-back, line them up, watch it. Really good movie, honestly. It's a pretty short one as well. And the premise is basically Julia Louis-Dreyfus is married to, I forget his name, his name in Game of Thrones, but it's the guy who plays Catherine Tully's brother, the like mm. the loser brother in Game of Thrones, not Edmund. the black Edmund. Nice, good pull. <laughs> so they're married, happily married. So not the same concept as the other one. But essentially, the uh, where the movie kicks off is they're in a great relationship, and then at one point in the movie, and she's an author, like a successful writer. And she overhears her husband talking to her sister's husband that 
he does not like her upcoming novel that she's writing, despite Mm. having told her multiple times, like how great her writing is. And he loves what she's writing right now, like her novel. And it really just shatters her and kind of spirals their relationship. And like trust has been broken. And like, is he lying to me about other things? How can I trust this guy again? So really good movie, honestly, and like a relatable, relatable topic for a lot of us to be pondering the question, like, is there any value in mm. not telling the truth in a relationship with your significant other in worrying of hurting their feelings? Is it better to tell the truth at all times? A lot of other themes like that, which I found very interesting and a lot of funny moments in it too. Like I found this movie very funny. There's also starring Arian Moyed who plays Stewie in succession, great character in succession great character in this and he kind of plays like a goofier character than whereas in succession he's like a more cool character so fun to see that and again julie louis dreyfus just kills it steals the show i was a big fan of this movie i uh, just randomly found it online and sawing that it had good reviews and i'm glad i watched it very good stuff again rom-coms that are not like cheesy and go over don't follow a um, traditional three act where you have a couple who meet they start dating everything's fun and peaches and whatever and then at the 20 minute mark close to the end there's like this big fight that happens and then our here our protagonist tries to win back the girl or bring back the guy vice versa and mm-hmm. it's all happily ever after at the end like this is not that kind of movie but it's a good different rom-com enjoy it a lot you hurt my feelings check it out you well said eric um basically good dialogue is what i'm expecting from a good rom-com because you know there's no action there's no it's all about what the characters are saying and i love movies too with dilemmas like that relationship dilemmas um that can carry the movie and like what would you do i love putting myself in the shoes of the main character so i i saw a post i saw a review of this movie and then i saw and then i read your review and i'm like okay that's two positive reviews i've read so i want to check it out your explanation made it seem like it's not going to be some predictable formulaic rom-com which is good which is what rom-com suffers the predictability factor and the formulaic formulaic nature um, that other actor was really good too, um, Edmund Tully from Game of Thrones. He was in, also in Rome, the HBO show, as Brutus, and he was really good in that show too. So I, I've never seen him in a movie, so it's cool. It'd be cool to check that out. Um, but yeah, it sounds like great dialogue movies, just like that movie Marriage Story, right, with Adam Driver. Yeah. Uh, brutal, brutal movie, but like the dialogues are razor sharp, <laughs> almost too much. Um, but no, I will be checking it out, Eric. Good rec- Good. Uh, good review of it actually marriage story is a good comparable for it it kind of did remind me of that okay sweet i got one more movie i'm going to talk about it's an it's it's one i've rewatched many times all the other movies were first time watches this movie here is a typical like 90s drama where you can see like it's not a feel-good movie but you can see anyways i'll just talk about i'll just introduce the movie the movie is scent of a woman from 1992 with Al Pacino, Chris O'Donnell. This director here is, he did like four good movies in his career and then he directed an absolute piece of crap movie with Ben Affleck called Gigli, which is like two out of 10 on IMDb. Anyways, he's directed like, he directed Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run, 
Scent of a Woman and Meet Joe Black, which I find are all great movies in my opinion. Anyways, enough about the director. Scent of a Woman, Chris O'Donnell's a uh, broke college, not a broke college student, but a college student on, on a scholarship. So he needs to make money during Thanksgiving long weekend. So he agrees to house sit Al Pacino, who's a blind lieutenant colonel retired from the U.S. Army. He, he agrees to house sit him for the, the four-day weekend or whatever. Well, as soon as like the, the, the parent, not the parents, as soon as his niece leaves with the kids to do their thing, he decides to take a road trip to New York with, uh, with our young character, uh, with Chris O'Donnell's character. And Chris O'Donnell's like, what the hell? Like, I was just supposed to watch you in your house. So they go to New York and that's when the adventure begins. He, they get to know each other. Frank, uh, Al Pacino's character, the blind colonel, He's super funny during the whole movie. He has like all these sayings and he's trying to educate young Chris O'Donnell. I forget his character's name. Um, and and the, that's the strength of the movie is Al Pacino's performance, which he won an Oscar for. Um, it's like one like series of things after another. There's like a tense Thanksgiving dinner at Frank's brother's house. There's a trip to like a restaurant. Anyways, really, really good 90s drama coming of age movie um really teaches like gives you life lessons and it's a feel-good movie at the end there's also like al pacino helping uh chris o'donnell's character with his school stuff because chris o'donnell's presented with a dilemma at the beginning of the movie where he has a chance to snitch on friends or keep a scholarship which you learn very early on in the movie. So like there's a dilemma there going on too. What would you do in that situation? And Al Pacino helps him resolve that conflict in the end. Um, but Scent of a Woman's a typical 90s, you know, you know where it's going, but it's really, really, really well made. I know Chris O'Donnell was a good actor. I mean, he kind of disappeared. He wasn't like, he was Robin in a couple Batman movies. He was, uh, he made a lot of movies in the 90s basically. Um, but yeah, Scent of a Woman, it's a, it's, it's really, really good. And Al Pacino excels in it. Have you heard or seen it, Eric? Yeah, I've definitely heard of it. Never seen it. Like there's a lot of Al Pacino movies in the nineties that are blind spots of mine. Like Heat, uh, Dog Day of Summer, I want to say is one of them. I'm sure there's more, but no, Scent yeah. of a Woman. I had no idea what it was about. Honestly, so that was a good breakdown that you just gave. And I will also look to add that one to the list. And um, yeah, I mean, just familiarize myself more with uh, Al Pacino movies. Like Chris O'Donnell off the top, no idea what he looks like. But if I saw him, <laughs> probably I'd recognize him. But like the name doesn't ring any bells. But it sounds like a solid movie that you come out of it with some good life lessons. Like you said, you feel good. Those are always fun watches. So we need those kind of movies definitely alongside uh, Megan as well. They'll... <laughs> a little balance in everything in life. And Absolutely. Right I have a couple other movies. One is pretty well known. It was my first time seeing it. The Equalizer. I had obviously mm. heard of it for years. Older movie now, like, well, 2014. If you haven't seen this one, I'd say check it out. It's a fun action movie. No, uh, no real explanation needed. Although myself going into it, I didn't really know what the concept was. Other than knowing Denzel Washington would go on a killing spree and just like ran run through his opponents and enemies. But I loved his character, how he went about himself, like super wise and just dropping gems the whole time. And uh, yeah, just killing people in very creative ways. It's fun to watch. Like those kind of just, again, turn your brain off action movies. 
Mm-hmm. Love watching those. Now I want to watch the third movie. So knowing that I need to watch the second one, which I know wasn't as well received. Have you seen Equalizers 1 and 2, Matt? I have. And they're both enjoyable, actually. Oh, so okay. yeah. yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, it's, Denzel elevates the movie, basically. Like, this could have been, like, just a, an average movie with an average actor, but Denzel heightens the movie and cre- great kills the hardware oh, store scene at the end. It's legendary. And second one, I remember liking at the theater. I've only seen it once, though. I will watch the third one for sure, though. Big fan of the character. Yeah, he was cool. And like like you said, I love seeing characters do that. Just use unorthodox weapons or material to kill people. Like in the movie Shooter, for example, like I love when characters mm. go to like a department store, a hardware store, and just buy a bunch of crap and make weapons out of it. Or like Iron Man, Iron Man 3, when he's without his suit and has to go into the mansion where the Mandarin is uh, hunkered down. I love that. But, um, yeah, like they got the shopping cart going, the ball cap and the hoodie on undercover, just loading it up with different various materials and just making grenades and like nail guns out of it. It's always fun to watch. So yeah, equalizers one and two, the first one is on Amazon or prime video. And the second one I think is on Netflix or it might Mm. be on prime as well, but I know they're both available to stream traditionally. So awesome. did you have other movies, Matt? I know you said Scent of a Woman Scent of a Woman was the last one, but I have a few others I could get into. You you keep going. I don't have anything other I don't have any other movies I want to talk about. Not really. So you okay. go ahead. So a couple of weeks ago I went to the theater and watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Great time. If you can see this one in theaters, definitely recommend. Off the rip, I thought the animation was a little different. Like the first five minutes, I'm like, all right, like it's going to be, it's going to look like this basically. And I didn't really know how to feel about it. But then maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I'm like, not for starters, forgetting that it looks different and then actually loving the animation. So there's a quick adjustment. Enjoyed the animation style very much. So it's very different than the other animated movies I've seen this year, like in, uh, across the Spider-Verse and the Super Mario Bros movie. Which I actually rewatched the other day. Holds up. Loved it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was. I was not a TMNT guy growing up. Like I never watched the shows, the movies. So I have no bias towards these characters. As I just as a preface, and I absolutely mm-hmm. loved this movie. It was one of the funniest movies I've seen of the year, no doubt. Wow. Like I was actually laughing a lot, and I think being in the theater definitely was a factor for that where you have kids laughing at parts, the people I was with were laughing, and there were some like nice cultural references, like pop culture and stuff, like a lot of references to stuff that some people will get, some won't. There were some mm. very niche ones that I would get specifically and enjoyed a lot. Like sometimes I was the only person <laughs> laughing, and I love that. Like I love that they incorporated wow. so many different things that could fit and be liked by different people sects of people who have interests in different avenues i'm not going to say what they are there you watch the movie and you'll figure it out but overall the cast was dynamite the music was unreal and the action scenes were super cool like i said i love the animation by the end of it ice cube was in the movie as well he plays the villain super cool performance and character i'll just say that and uh, yeah very fun watch definitely recommend 
TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Wow, this is a movie I had I had zero interest in watching. A because I'm not a big Turtles guy either, and the animation looked very off-putting. However, I'm very I like I cher I I, I cherish your opinion, Eric. Like I know you don't you've rarely. Uh, led me wrong, if any time. I've probably never gave me a whole... Like, I've, you've never unhinged me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back to that movie. But, uh, no, I'm going to have to check it out now. Because if you say it's that good... And I've heard other good things about it. I've looked at the ratings on it. But, yeah, like, I had no interest. But, Frig, it, it's probably a gem now. It's probably super solid. Um, yeah, after watching it, Eric, like, he's, like the animation is good, or you still think it's a little they should have went like differently? No, I loved it. By the end of it, I was hooked. You loved it. I didn't want the movie okay. to end. Honestly, like, it went by pretty quick. There's a good pace to mm-hmm. it. Flew by, and I was buzzing after, like in the after outside of the theater. I was like, oh, I just wanted to talk about the movie, and now I'm, I mm. want to see a sequel. I, they'll most likely keep it going because it was quite successful. People loved it overall, and the like you said, the reception was really good fun movie again okay. i'll just say that it's um it knows what it is plays to its strengths seth rogan and um i'm not sure if evan goldberg is also involved in the production side but it's from the minds of super bad and uh i want to say neighbors too so not neighbors Two, the movie neighbors which is superior than <laughs> yeah. the first the second one <laughs> yeah it was a good Excellent. time I, I really enjoyed it one of my faves of the year so far. I'm telling you, animated movies are just hitting with me these days. And uh, more on that later, actually. Oh, okay. So, I'll but have... yeah, no. It's... Go ahead, go ahead. Go, go. No, I was just going to say, it sounds like great writing with good action. Well, animated movies always have good action, let's be real. But yeah, shoot us. Uh, what's what's your next movie or last one? Well, not just that. They always have great write, great stories and values and themes and all that. There's yeah. always a good emotional punch in those movies. And not being limited by things you can do in live action is such an advantage for animated movies that you can do whatever you want in these movies. And it's always, for the most part, translates well on the screen. And um, this was the perfect avenue for TMNT, which I've not seen the live action movies, the the Michael Bay one, and then the other one I don't think was him. But that, it's just a tougher sell in person or Mm -hmm. in live action, whereas animated it just looks like, acceptable, kind of, and it, mm-hmm. it just works. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say it again. Recommend. Last one, actually, Matt, is a movie that you had recommended a few episodes ago. I'll just add on to the list. Say it's on Netflix. Check it out. Nobody starring Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. Along the same veins as like uh, The Equalizer, for example. More John Wick, I'd say, though. We have this retired CIA op. Or I forget if he's CIA. Maybe I'm getting mistaken now with Equalizer. But... He used to be like the guy that you call when you really need a job done. Bob Odenkirk was that dude. The action was unreal. Like the bus fight scene mirrors a Shang-Chi <laughs> fight scene, except obviously up another level because it's rated R. That was wild. A lot of graphic kills and again, in creative ways. He was an insane character. And again, this is a movie that I hope they make a sequel to. And... Just keep these kind of franchises alive, operating alongside each other. I think there's even talks of maybe doing a crossover with John Wick. Because I think it's been confirmed he operates in the same universe as John Wick. So that'd be really cool Mm. to see, actually. So yeah, nobody on Netflix. I would run it 
easy watch. Super easy watch, and like the bad guy was cool, like the Russian guy. Yeah. And you even have the, the Riza in there as his <laughs> yeah. buddy. Yeah. So like unexpected, but you know he's he's not a bad actor at all. He's been in other movies. Um, yeah, Odenkirk. It's a, like I I see a world where Bob Odenkirk is more well known early on and is like when he's younger because he's been in the game forever. But we've only discovered discovered him in Breaking Bad. But like I feel like he could have been another someone we see like all the time, but like at a younger age. I know he auditioned for Michael Scott, and I always think, what if he had gotten Michael Scott? It's a big what if. Would he follow Steve Carell's career? Right? I don't know. There's a lot of like what ifs that are fun to contemplate. But yeah, nobody's really solid. Did you want to do TV now, Eric? Or yeah. did you have another movie? No, TV? that's it for movies. Z. Uh, TV. I don't have much for TV, but I did watch something you recommended, I believe. And like, please stop me right away if you didn't recommend this. But I'm pretty sure you recommended this on the pod. It's Jury Duty on Amazon Prime. Nice. So I watched all of Jury Duty and I, me and my girlfriend loved it. Uh, super easy to watch great premise just quickly for those if you don't remember it's they they film this documentary of a court case and have cameras everywhere but um, unbeknownst to our main character ronald who's one of the jurors everything is set up for him like everyone's an actor it's a fake courthouse it's all like to get reactions out of them and and on ultimately i didn't really know why they were doing this at the beginning i was like are they trying to get reactions from our main character, Ronald? Are they trying to just be f as funny as possible? Are they seeing what a person would do in an absurd situation? Anyways, it all works in the end because I really like how they tied it in the end with like, this is actually a really good person we have right here. And But the absurdities they throw at him were great. James Mardson, who plays himself or a version of himself, is was a highlight for me. Um, really cool thought. Like, uh... uh a thoughtful experiment, really, is what this documentary is, or mini, whatever you want to call, or mini series documentary. It was a cool like experiment, and I like seeing how like an average person would react in this situation. I've often wondered like, what if somebody else with a different temperament would have been selected for this show? Like, what would have went down with it even had aired, or would it have been even good television? I don't know. I know they edited a lot, and there's probably a ton of footage that they trimmed, but. Uh, like, is that how you thought of it, Eric? It's been a while since you talked about it, so... Yeah, the whole time I was watching, I'm like, all right, like, what's the end game here? How do they even film this? Like, I was wondering, I thought there were actually cameras around at all times, and he, while they're engaging in conversation, like, everyone could see that there was a camera recording this, so that they were kind of vetting what they are even saying, like, trying to be funny and cool. But I don't want to spoil yeah. too much, but... The end really does explain how everything was produced and filmed. But the whole time I was questioning, like, okay, like, are people all in on this? Like, even the main guy, like, is he aware that he needs to act a certain way? So yeah. I was definitely skeptical at times. But by the end of it, I'm completely convinced that, yeah, he had no idea that this was happening. And he thought he was on a real jury duty. Now, I wonder, did this show now create an unfortunate precedent where people who have now watched this show will be in any situation now? Because this is a show I don't know if you can do again, right? Like, are, are we going to be yeah. able to see a jury duty season two where they pull off the same punches to a new person who has no idea they're being filmed? And now are people in juries now going to be like, okay, like, am I being filmed right now? And are these all actors? Like, yeah. is this all fake? And like, did we set a bad precedent here? I don't know. But yeah. for this season, it worked so well. 
Ronald was great as the main character, honestly. And he's blown up. He has like, I just creeped him on Instagram. I think he has like close to 300,000 followers on Instagram now. Like he's become a celebrity in his own right. So hopefully the fame doesn't get to his head. But (laughs) it looks like he's on a a path to stardom and maybe a new avenue. Because he was a good, I mean, actor. I guess you could say he was. Or he was just being himself. I don't know, but... It was a cool concept. Really enjoyed the first kick at the can. And I wonder mm-hmm. if they'll do like a similar show in a different setting or something. I don't know what that could be, but something to think about. I got a couple of shows on the go right now. And I'll start with um, ones that may be lesser known. So I started up this show okay. a few weeks ago called Warrior. One word. Warrior. Mm-hmm. And how I would describe it is it's a show set in the, I think, late 1800s, if not early 1900s. And you're following the immigration of many Chinese Americans into San Francisco and them trying to build a kind of life for them, lives for themselves. But mm-hmm. the main character has a proficiency in martial arts and he ends up being taken into a um, kind of mafia family of Chinese gangsters who is at odds with different families in Chinatown in San Francisco. And there's a lot of crime. There's also American versus Chinese politics going on where there are characters who are against the fact that Chinese immigrants are taking manual labor away from American-born citizens because they're cheaper to employ and are taking jobs away from the um, Americans. And there's the, like I said, mafia element in the background. There's police corruption. There's politics. And more importantly, there's martial arts. And the action in this Mm. show is off the hook. The fight scenes are insane. And I'm having a blast watching this show. Three seasons long. I'm almost done season two. And the third season is actually one that just wrapped up last week. And I've only heard good things about season three. And the show is, it's on HBO Max that it plays. So I don't know if it's actually an HBO production or if it's a subset of HBO. But it's been really enjoyable. The writing has been really sharp. Acting has been good. And like I said, the plot's interesting. The characters are cool. It's pretty funny too unreal show Hmm. i feel like it's a hidden gem i haven't met a single person who knows what this is i just heard about it on a podcast and haven't looked back since i started watching it so warrior if you have crave check it out 100 recommend wow i have not heard of this show at all completely blew my mind right now eric because i didn't hear a whisper of this show of anything about this show um my only questions are is it is it like uh fully English is it there's subtitles is it like pretty heavy on the violence like rated R is it how intense is the show okay so the show is primarily in English actually but our characters okay. are speaking in Cantonese or Chinese okay. or Mandarin they uh, they alternate between those a few different sects there so they are speaking their native tongue but they show it like it comes across as English so I don't know if that okay. could be seen as a blemish on the show. Maybe they should just commit fully to always speaking in Mandarin or Chinese. But they don't. I have no issues with it. Sometimes they do, though. and uh, But it does make for 
an easier watch in the sense that you don't always have to be watching the screen mm. and reading the subtitles. Like you can just you can drift off a bit and still hear what they're saying. As for the action, right. it's a hundred percent rated R. Like this is there's some brutal violence in this show. It's okay. crazy. It, there's almost a fight scene every single episode. There, I'd say mm. there for sure is honestly, and it's very, it's it's intense for sure. But the a major strength of the show is like the characters. At first, you might be overwhelmed and like, "All right, who's this again? What's this yeah, person yeah. want to do?" But now I'm at season two, and like, I almost love all of the characters. It's pretty wild. It has like Game of Thrones vibes to it in the political scene and Peaky Blinders mm. side assign um shades to it as well and boardwalk empire as well like it's a mix of those three Mm. shows how i would describe it now i know i'm setting the bar very high here sometimes there are character decisions that are made i'm like all right like come on like this is a bit much but hey it's a drama it's um they uh, they want to make crazy stuff happen and move the plot Mm -hmm. a little quicker i i allow it you know but i would recommend this i think you'd like it matt honestly I think it. I think I'd like it too. Um, I definitely got peaky, peaky blinder vibes when you were describing it. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Actually, I just can't believe I didn't. Yeah, I'm Better gonna have to check that out. Better. Wow. Yeah, and I never finished Peaky Blinders. I got bored. Same. So yeah. Okay. Warrior. Good to know. Yep. I got a couple other ones. Um, okay, I'll go with the older one. It's from like ten years ago. It's a show that. Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant produced. It's like a documentary comedy style show called An Idiot Abroad. Eric, have you heard of this? Nope. Okay. So An Idiot Abroad, they decide to send their friend named Carl Pinkleton on like a freaking amazing trip around the world, followed by a crew of cameras. Now, you would think for you and I, that'd be like a freaking dream going to all these different countries and cities and ex- experiencing everybody else's culture. Um, the problem is their, their friend, Carl Pinkleton, he's like a super negative, introverted, like he gets annoyed by every little thing. So the premise of the show is they're sending their friend who wouldn't appreciate any of this to all these different exotic places. And the funny part of the show is this guy's kind of hilarious, this main character, Carl. He has observations for everything. So, like, he's there and he's critiquing everything. And you're like, buddy, you're in the super... You're in China right now. You're on the Great Wall of China and you're complaining about this. Or you're at the pyramids and you're complaining about this. It's very, like... It's fun. The, the humor is just seeing this man being miserable when he shouldn't be. He should be having the time of his life. But he's got a comment for everything. And he's not enjoying himself and... The funny stuff is him not enjoying it when you're like, what, what's wrong with this loser? Anyways, that's an idiot abroad <laughs> documentary style show. Um, <laughs> like, the th- I, I can't, like, you'll have to watch some clips on YouTube or something to see if it's for you. But, like, this man is just miserable and it's pretty funny to watch. Like, the first episode, he's in, ba- he's in China. He's just complaining about every little thing, like the food, this and that. Anyways... That's an idiot abroad. I know it was really pretty popular when it came out. It's got like the British humor, you know? Oh, Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant. They're very like dry and it's not like laugh out loud funny a mile a minute. It's just situational funny and, you know, witty comments and stuff like that. But yeah, I've, I've, I've only seen two, three, uh, three episodes now. So I don't even know if ultimately it's going to be like rewarding every episode, but I'm really enjoying it so far. 
Okay. So that's an idiot abroad. Yeah, good stuff. Like that's a good twist on normally when you see someone or whoever at these great monumental buildings or um mm-hmm. like spots in the world like they're always just praising it and it sounds like this guy yeah. will find the one negative thing about it like the little crack in the pyramid it's like oh like this wasn't yeah. plastered correctly or whatever and ruins the integrity of the pyramid so no that's definitely funny for sure i wonder do you think he pl- puts on a show as well for the camera like even if you'll you'll put him in front of like the like a perfect painting or whatever and he'll find like the one little mistake according to him and just start just going off on that kind of thing or do you think it's purely authentic and genuine at all times i mean the reality is obviously i think this guy carl pinkleton hams it up a little and acts even more like negative but it's still hilarious and i just it's like reality TV, right? You know, some of it's scripted. Right. For sure, I think a little bit's exaggerated. Yeah. But you still, hey, we eat up reality TV. All of us mm-hmm. do, right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's good entertainment. Okay, right on Pinkerton. I'll uh, check this out. What is, is it streaming on anything? Uh, no, I watched it on some websites. Okay. Sounds good. So I have another show that you can actually find on Disney Plus, so accessible for the masses mm. who have Disney Plus, of course. Uh, it's a newer show that premiered in 2021 and the second season just dropped this year a few months ago called Star Wars Visions, actually. Matt, have you watched this show? I have not, actually. Okay. So I stayed away from this show when it dropped because reception on Twitter was negative at first. Basically, the concept of this is different animation studios take a crack at producing a Star Wars episode that has a completely different standalone story that has nothing to do Mm -hmm. with the Skywalker saga. It's just set in a world or universe galaxy where a character is using the Force, has a lightsaber, there's Jedi lore, whatever. It's set in the Star Wars world. Every episode looks different because, like I said, it's a different animation studio. So in one, you might have like your um, Wally style animation, and in another, you'll have a Chicken Run style animation. Like it's just different every single episode, and I find it very cool. First of all, and it's uh, all Japanese studios, by the way, mm. for season one. And then in season two, they expanded to more international. So I've been watching the episodes in season one exclusively in Japanese. And then in season two, I look up what the animation studio is, what country it's from. And then I'll watch in that language just to stick to as authentic as I can. But they actually also got, if you want to watch it dubbed, they did get famous actors to play these characters. Like David Harbour actually plays one of the characters in one of the episodes. And all the episodes aren't of the same quality i would say but for the most part i've enjoyed them all and have extremely enjoyed quite a few of them like i said i'm a big Hmm. animated guy now and i've watched anime anime shows this year so i have a penchant for japanese culture in these shows and there are a few of them that like really lean into the japanese like samurai Hmm. culture 
And it's really cool. I find it super fun to watch. So I would recommend this. I think you'd like it, Matt. Star Wars Visions, one-off shows. They're like 15 to 20 minutes long each. And a lot of them, like, I wish they, they kept going with the, that storyline that they set up, right? It'd be cool to see like, a certain character just in like a full season's worth of uh, content. But they don't. doesn't look like they're going down that path. So yeah, Star Wars Visions. If you like Star Wars, honestly, I think it's for you. Check it out. I knew what it was and I will check it out now. But yeah, I was a little worried uh, reading. I didn't hear good things about season one, basically. But honestly, it sounds like such an easy show to watch. Crank a couple episodes a night. So I will be checking it out. Doesn't advance any stories from what we're watching right now in other shows, though. So, but whatever. I like the universe. So I will be checking it out. I wasn't, I'm not going to talk about the next, like the next show I was going to bring up is something that deserves maybe its own episode. But it's the other Star Wars show on Disney Plus right now, Ahsoka. I have lots to say. I'm going to shelf it for now because in essence of not rambling for another hour. But uh, so far, I'm, I'm, it's just episode three as at, at the time of recording. So it's building up. I'm liking it so far, but I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I don't want to like... I've been disappointed by other Star Wars shows in the past, so... Um, but that's Ahsoka. Like you need to, everyone needs to be watching this. I think because it's promising so far. But did you start it yet, Eric? Yeah, of course. I'm enjoying yeah. it as well. It definitely has a Rebels flair to it, and yeah, it, that's something to maybe throw in there as well. Like if you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, I think oh. that'd be a good show to get into. It's one that I want to run back. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's quite long though. It has like I want to say eighty or so episodes, and there's a lot out there that I do want to watch. So it's like, when mm-hmm. do I put the time aside to rewatch a show that I did watch just a few years ago? But really good, really good Star Wars, honestly. And it would kind of, this would fall into my, like, Star Wars visions too. The stuff they can do in animation is insane, especially with lightsabers, right? Like, the action sequences yeah. are crazy in these animated shows. And Star Wars Rebels yeah. has some of the best Star Wars content out there. Emotional and just good understanding of the force and crazy fight Mm -hmm. scenes. So I love to see these characters from rebels brought to life in Ahsoka. And yes, I am enjoying it quite a lot through three Mm -hmm. episodes. And, um, yeah, like they're introducing new characters and not just focusing on Ahsoka, like Obi-Wan, for example, in the Obi-Wan show, they didn't just focus on Obi-Wan, but it didn't work. They spent Mm. too much time on Reva. Whereas in Ahsoka, they're spending time on Sabine on Hera but it's working right now for me. Like I'm not mm-hmm. mad that we're not just following Ahsoka. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I would like to talk about that too. No, well said, Eric, about animation in general and Rebels. And this this might be a hot take, but like we get some... If you're a Darth Vader fan, some of the best Darth Vader moments in anything is in Star Wars, Star Wars Rebels, in, in my opinion. Like... You see him at his prime. He's freaking scary, menacing. He fights like extremely well. If if you like Darth Vader, his appearances in Rebel in Rebels is ten out of ten. Like it's better than some of the movies, in my opinion. But that's that that might be a hot take. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough to go toe to toe with four, five, six. But I know, I know mm-hmm. what you're saying, and I agree to a certain extent. Like. No, I just agree. It's top tier Vader content for sure. I just don't know yeah. if I'd put it above the OG trilogy, oh, but okay. it's so yeah. good. Everything with him in there is perfect. And the same thing mm-hmm. with Darth Maul. And I think 
Yes. Like, I think this for sure you can say, but maybe not because it, Maul in episode one, Phantom, Phantom Menace is so good. But Maul in Clone Wars and in Rebels is amazing in my opinion. So I think just <laughs> Maul in general is amazing, but yeah. I love yeah. his appearances in both those shows. Such yeah. a good... Like I'd say Darth Maul as a top TV show villain. He There's a spot for him on a list there somewhere, like a top 10 or something. But Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'd be it for me too for TV shows. Honestly, it's like I'm okay. juggling visions, which I'm almost done. I got um, Ahsoka and Warrior. Actually, there's another show I haven't seen a second of, so this might be a preemptive recommendation. It's a new show on Netflix called One Piece, which is an adaptation mm. of an anime show that's been long running apparently since the 90s and is still going. There's a lot of skepticism going into this show that they're making in live action. People are saying this couldn't be done. It's too ridiculous to do in live action. And it actually just dropped yesterday at the time of recording. Hmm. So it's brand new on Netflix. And the reception's been really good, apparently. So on IMDb, it's at an 8.6 out of 10 on there. Hmm. So I'm going to check this out. Maybe by the time we record our next one, I could report back on it. But I'm going to blindly throw this out there. One piece, and I actually checked in with uh, Curtis, former guest, big anime guy. He watched the first episode and liked it quite a bit, so it got his stamp of approval through hmm. one episode. So, yeah, One Piece. If you need a new show, I'm interested to see what people who maybe don't know the anime think and what people who know the anime think. So, I'm gonna check it out. One Piece, adding it to my list. I've heard of One Piece, the anime, very successful, and uh, but yeah, no, I'll wait till you report back and then, uh, we'll see. We'll go from there. Ah, you do the, do the dirty work for us. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Did you want to jump into some quick music recommendations? Yep, sure. Let's run it. Um, you talked about this album last time, the patience, Mitch okay. Jenk. Uh, yeah. Mick or Mitch? Mitch? M- Mick. Yeah. Mick, Mick Jenkins. Thank you. Yeah. I wrote it down, but I can't read my own handwriting. Um, uh, <laughs> Mick Jenkins, it's a damn solid album, Eric. I listened to it again this morning. Nice. Great, great stuff. Love the flow, the lyrics, the the beats. You know, I got Freddie, Freddie Gibbs on the second track. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, solid recommend, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. The Patience by Mick Jenkins. No idea who that is, but obviously he's been around because he says so in some of his lyrics and never heard of him till now. Yo, check out some of his old music too. He's a good artist. Like his last yeah. album, Elephant in the Room, I liked it a lot. I don't really listen to it anymore, but I liked it at the time. And uh, well, his first mixtape, The Waters, like that's when I discovered him, twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Just brings me back to like, uni. It has some good songs on there. Like the first seven, I'd say, are really good. But okay. And yeah, no, it's a solid album. And the Martyrs, like, is that's the song that made him blow up. Is on this album, Martyrs, the fourteenth song. Like, that's a classic song. So I, okay. I might run that on the way to the golf course today, actually. So yeah, albums. Honestly, since we did our last one, there hasn't been much that's dropped. I will say, I'll just say two really quickly. One, Oppenheimer score. I've been listening to that nonstop while I work. So mm. good, and. The other is one I actually listen to a lot when I work out. Rocket Power by Quavo. Mm. So tribute album to his um, nephew, Takeoff, who was tragically killed last year. I really like this album, honestly. It's a good, like I said, tribute to Takeoff. 
and a lot of bangers on here, a lot of hype songs. And Quavo, like, we've never really heard him before. Like, he normally just sticks to the classic, like, oh, I made it out the slum, I made it out the hood, now I'm the man, I used to sell drugs, now I just sell verses or whatever. But here, like, he gets emotional, and you you mm-hmm. definitely feel for him on a lot of these songs where he's talking about, like, crying himself to sleep. And not that I enjoy listening to music like that. Like, you don't want to be down, but it's just... It is like real to hear someone get very emotional on songs, especially when you're not used to hearing that. But like I said, a lot of bangers on here too. A good balance of both. And I enjoy it. Like it maybe it's a bit too long. Like I would have cut a few songs, but I'd say I easily listen to half of this and I really enjoy the music. So yeah, Rocket Power by Quavo. Did you listen to this, Matt? Yeah, I was going to actually talk, bring it up myself. Uh, I listened to it too when doing my workouts. I felt it more mature than like his other stuff and more thought thoughtful, mm-hmm. maybe slightly long, like it's probably 16 songs, but could be trimmed down, but the songs aren't long. It, it goes, it rips by, um, but yeah, no, so, super, I, I really dug it. And I nice. wasn't, I'm not the biggest Quavo, like I'm not the Migos, yeah. you know, way more about Migos and, the, and me, than me, Eric. Um, but no, I, I thought it was solid. As did I think the album by Russ was solid, oh, Santiago. Nice. I really dug that, and I, I listened to that a lot this week, too. Uh, those two albums were up at the same time, I think, last week. Yep. Super solid. Um, I only know Russ because of you, Eric, because when you sent me some playlists, you had a couple You had a couple Russ songs on there, but now i got to go, like, if you can recommend, if you're saying to go, like, through his discography, I'm going to do it because I uh, really dug this album. Yeah. Yeah, Russ is dope. He's a he has so much music out too. I'll say check out his album There's Really a Wolf. That's one I really enjoy. Okay. Have you heard that before, Matt? Did I already say this? Nope. Okay. Nope. So, that's a good album. That has like a lot of his like classic breakout music and Okay. Yeah, he normally runs like no features. He produces his own music. He engineers for himself, writes for himself. He's a really talented dude. And yeah, Santiago is a great album. I enjoyed it a lot too. I found it gets better too as you go through the album. It starts off like maybe a little slow. While it's a consistent tone for the whole album, I find that I enjoy the songs in the back half more. So no, that's a good Mm -hmm. one as well. I'm glad you like uh, Quavo's album as well. Uh, The intro just fires me up. Fueled up. Mm. It's a banger. But yeah, no, yeah. there's really a Wolf by Russ and Santiago by Russ. Two good picks. So yeah, that would be all I have on stage. I'm waiting for other people to drop music. There's an um, album dropping next Friday, actually. Special Machinery by Conway the Machine and Ooh. 38 Special. Collab album of those two. I, I like both those guys. So I would recommend that in advance. Special Machinery. Supposed to, okay. I mean, I'm sure it'll be good. So I'm pumped for that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I don't have much else either. Um, uh, it's funny that, yeah, we were both going to talk about the rocket power. But, yeah, no, that's that's it for me, Eric. Okay. So, I think that's a good place to wrap it up there. A bunch of recommendations for the people. And, um, yeah, Matt, any final notes for the listeners? Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed our talk on movies, TV, and music, and that you're having a great summer right now. And, yeah, thank you. Yeah, well said, Matt. So yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to enjoy your summer. Love you all, and yeah, peace.